invite you to open your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 22 through 24. Under the title, Spirit-Filled Submission. Just to remember to put this in context, so Paul is in the second half of the book of Ephesians, chapters 4 and following, talking about what does it look like to live as the people of God? What does it look like to live as people filled with the Spirit of God? And the last week he pointed out that uh, being filled with the Spirit is going to look like heartfelt worship, it's going to look like pervasive gratitude, and it's going to look like submission out of reverence for Christ. And that's true, of course, for every Christian. And now Paul's going to take uh, that truth and apply it specifically uh, in the context of marriage as he speaks to wives in verses 22 through 24. And so let's give our attention to God's Word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's bow together in prayer. Oh, Lord, I God, thank you for this word. I thank you that it is true, it is reliable, it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness that we might live a life that's pleasing to you and uh, adorns the gospel of Jesus. And so we ask for your help this morning. Amen. Well, I have never um, physically had the pleasure of walking through a minefield, but uh, this morning's message has some of that feel. Uh, and I mean that only half uh, in jest. Uh, there's, uh, there are, uh, there's a host of things surrounding this, uh, this truth, this doctrine. There's uh, realities that you want to pay attention to. There's, there's the theological discussions about uh, complementarianism and egalitarianism, and that's an ongoing debate uh, going on in the church. I would just recommend, I think one of the most clearest thinkers on this has been Kevin DeYoung. Um, I think they just republished his book on that topic, and so if you're looking for some just real great insight into what, what does the Bible actually say about uh, headship and the, uh, the roles of men and women, uh, I would refer you to uh, Kevin DeYoung. But there's also uh, not just the theological issues, but there's the personal issues, uh, that when we talk about marriage in general, we're going to be talking about uh, things that are very dear to people's heart and sometimes very painful. And the topic of submission is, is, uh, touches on all sorts of, uh, could touch on all kinds of painful concerns. And uh, where, where dear sisters in Christ are struggling to be faithful to the text, be faithful to, to God in this, and yet are really struggling, not quite knowing how to exactly go about it in their particular context. And then, of course, we have the, uh, the way that the world thinks about um, this doctrine. Uh, in the eyes of the world, this is very close to the Muslim teaching on hijabs, right? Women needing to uh, cover themselves up when they're in public. Women being the property of men. Uh, women being inferior to men. And so uh, the world, and increasingly the church, uh, when they come to this doctrine, that's simply the category they put it in. That there's no, there cannot be any uh, useful, helpful um, way of talking about submission of a wife to a husband. It's always repressive. And so um, that's what we have sort of in front of us this morning, and we just need to clear some of that the rubble out of the way. We need to um, acknowledge that this, this doctrine is not an easy one in the sense that 
it's often gotten wrong as, as uh, relationships by themselves in a fallen world with two sinners. Uh, there's all sorts of things that go haywire, and submission is often at the, at the middle of that, uh, both on both sides. Uh, you're, you have husbands who are tyrannical, husbands who um, misunderstand this doctrine to mean that they're the boss, and, um, that, uh, and so we have lots of w- women, Christian women, sisters in Christ, who are suffering under the ungodly, angry, perverted, self-serving, um, even abusive husbands who call themselves uh, the leader, the head. And we, we just have to acknowledge that that's true, that happens uh, right here in West Michigan, right here in our own churches. On the other hand, uh, you have uh, the, the, the reality that the idea of submission has been so thoroughly cast out in our society and increasingly discredited in the church that um, the failures of, of women to, to honor this text and this truth are often just sort of get pushed to the, way, to the wayside. Uh, you can find all sorts of books and articles about um, male dominance, male anger, toxic masculinity. Uh, there are very few books that talk about the failures and sins common to a wife. I don't know of a single book, and, and it's maybe just not a genre I'm read up on, I don't know of a single book that'll talk about the particular sins of a wife in a marriage. Maybe they're out there. It just doesn't seem to be um, part of the conversation that, that is commonly had, not in, in the world at large and in the church at large. I do want to say um, that you know, this is a topic where we're, 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 I think, a bit hesitant to talk about, maybe not quite sure what to say about it, a little embarrassed maybe by it, but, but we don't need to be. Paul clearly isn't. Uh, the spirit that inspired it clearly isn't. This is a teaching that God believes clearly is for our good. Uh, this, is a, this is a teaching that allows us to be the church, to stand in the middle of a world that's completely confused. I mean, I think we at least could agree, if we, as we look at the world and its distaste for this doctrine, uh, their distaste doesn't have seem to have, been, uh, have benefited marriages much in our culture. Uh, we wouldn't want to say that uh, clearly that's a better path to go. Uh, marriages are disintegrating all around us and, and in the church as well. But, but particularly in our culture, and we, and we, want, to, we want to trust that God's Word can, can be helpful, tremendously helpful to us uh, in this. And so my, my desire this morning is, uh, we're not going to listen to what the world says, but let's listen to what God says. Let's just open our Bibles and, and, and see what the text says. And I'm, I, I just want to say I'm thankful that to be in a congregation where I, I don't have to apologize for that, and in a congregation where uh, I can expect you're going to lean into that. Don't need to make excuses for it. We don't need to sort of brush up the edges. We can just open our text and together, brothers and sisters, let's let's listen to what God says. What is God's will for his precious blood-bought daughters in marriage? What's God's word for wives? And how is that helpful? How is that how is that a, a blessing to us as brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, clearly, I'm not going to be able to say everything that could be said. I, I'm not even going to be able to say everything that needs to be said on this topic this morning. But my hope is at least we can open our Bibles and see what God has said and then have a conversation that moves on from there. And that's my goal, really, that this, this text and this sermon could be just part of a, an, a, a conversation. How are we doing in our marriages? And uh, next, uh, not next week, but the following, Lord willing, we'll be looking then at God's will for husbands as well. So let's, uh, let's begin. Um, we're, I have three main points, uh, the concept of submission, the reason for submission, and then problems related to submission. 
The concept of submission is just writing your text. If you have your Bible in front of you, you can come read along with me. But I just want quickly to note, first of all, again, the context. That submission is not a, a, a female category, it's a Christian category. A submission is what Christians do. It's what people who are filled with the Holy Spirit do. Right? They worship God with, with hearts full of praise. They, their mouths are full of gratitude. They give thanks and everything. And they, they submit. And it, that must be an evident, a work of the Holy Spirit because by nature, none of us likes to, like to submit. Um, we weren't born that way. We were born rebellious. We like to do it our way. And we like to have our way. A submission is, must be something that the Spirit uh, works within us, and that's exactly what the Spirit does, and, the, and one of the wonderful evidences of the Spirit of God at work will be a spirit of submission in the Christian, whether that's to parents, whether that's to employees, employers, or um, whether that's to the, the, the government, whether that's to your spouse, to your husband. Christians are called to submit. And so Paul's now just taking that general truth and applying it very specifically to the context of a marriage, a Christian marriage. He wants us to see that Christian marriage, uh, that's the submission of a wife, is voluntary. The, the tense of the word, wives, submit your own husbands, the, the tense is the middle voice. O'Brien points out the use of the middle voice of this verb emphasizes the voluntary character of the submission. Uh, there is no biblical command for husbands to subjugate their wives. You won't find that. Uh, men, control your, control your wife. It's not in the Bible. Uh, I, I think we need to just state that because I think some men are clearly confused about that. There's no command to subjugate your wife. Nowhere in the Bible will you see anything uh, like God saying, control your wife, domineer your wife, suppress your wife, uh, subdue your wife. Her submission is a voluntary act of a free woman in Jesus. It's a conscious choice that she makes to follow her husband's lead, to support his leadership. It's a freely chosen act of obedience to Jesus Christ. And that, that makes it a precious thing. Uh, men, there's something sacred about that. There's something holy about that then. When a free, blood-bought daughter of the Most High God submits to our flawed leadership out of reverence for her, for her crucified and risen Christ, Savior, when, when that's what she's doing, woe to us if we take advantage of that glorious and godly act for our own sinful pleasure and selfish pursuit. It is a wicked thing to sin against that voluntary, Christ-oriented submission of your wife. We should tremble at the sacredness of her chosen, spirit-filled submission. It is a precious, beautiful thing. When's the last time you thanked her for it? Or even noticed it? Or gave thanks to God for it. It's a, it is a glorious, marvelous, beautiful thing. The submission of a wife is voluntary. The submission of a wife is focused. So Paul says, wives submit 
to her own husband. Not to men in general, right? That's not what the command says. I think there's an assumption that men in general have authority over women in general. Well, that's not what Paul says. A Christian wife is called to voluntarily submit to her own husband in the covenant of their marriage. They've entered into a covenant, and in that covenant context, the wife takes the role of submission under his leadership. Men, that means if she's not your wife, she's not under your authority. It means that um, we live as brothers and sisters in Christ, right, on an equal basis. No Jew, Greek, Gentile, Scythian, slave, free, male, female, right? We're all one in Jesus Christ. And we can't let cultural, traditional sort of uh, roles um, run over biblical truth. Wives, uh, you do not owe submission to men in general. But you do owe submission to your husband. That's what Paul says. And that's our next point. The submission of a wife is obligatory. It's mandatory. So the fact that a wife's submission is voluntarily given does not mean that it's optional. It is a command. And that, that might sound like a contradiction. You might think, well, how, how, can it, how can I voluntarily do something I'm obligated to do? Well, um, the fact is that the Christian life is full of things like that, where, where think about Jesus himself. He willingly chose to do what he had to do. It was written. It was the Father's will. And, and the same is true for us. Every Christian virtue, if you think about it, is both obligatory and voluntary. It has to be voluntary. We have to, we have to decide or choose to do it if it's going to have any Glory to God. So God doesn't say just do mercy. He says love mercy. That's the sign of a Holy Spirit at work in a person's life where we desire, we choose, we volunteer to do the things that God requires us to do. And he does require us to do these things. You see, uh, if we don't show mercy, we will not receive mercy. If we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. And the beauty of the Christian life, a life filled of the Holy, with the Holy Spirit, is that by the power of that Spirit, we are transformed within and free to choose the loving commands of our God. To say, yes, Father. Yes, Lord Jesus. I lean into that. I choose that. To die to myself. To humble myself. To love my neighbor as myself. Yes. I want to do that. And so the submission of a wife to her husband is, this, is, is the very same, right? It's, it's something that God commands her to do, and by the Spirit of God within her, something that she delights to do, something that she desires to do as she lays hold of what her precious Jesus has called her to. She does not resist this. Not if the Spirit, and when the Spirit is at work. Also notice that the submission of a wife is to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I just want to point out that this means that the submission of a wife has Jesus as the main referent. It's very important. Uh, men, when your wife willingly submits to your leadership, it's not fundamentally or primarily about you. It's fundamentally and primarily about Jesus. She's, she's looking at Jesus as she graciously submits to you. 
Uh, don't be depressed by that. Jesus is better than you are. <laughs> be awed by it. Be awed by it. She is willingly acting out her spirit-inspired submission to her Savior, Jesus Christ, by submitting herself to you. That's, that's astonishing. And it's very helpful in a number of ways. It's helpful for the wife, and that gives her an a unchanging rock on which she can stand and offer up her submission as an act of worship to God. Let me explain what I mean by that. One, one of the ways that uh, wives, or one of the things that many wives struggle with is, how do you submit to a husband who doesn't lead? How do you respect a husband who's not respectful? He's not worthy of respect. How do you submit to that right, thing sitting there on the couch eating potatoes watching banal television? When there's a thousand things that need to be done. How do you submit to that? Well, submission, spirit-inspired submission, is about submitting first to Jesus. It's, it's out of reverence for Christ, Paul says. It is as to the Lord, Paul says. So, so the primary call is not to submit to that, but submit to Him. To get your eyes on Him. And, and as your eyes are on Jesus, and as you submit to Jesus, that frees you to submit to your husband, even when he's failing to act like one. You see that? You're free to offer submission to your husband as an act of worship to God. I think a great example of this is the story of Abigail, um, the wife of Nabal. Nabal means fool, and there was a man who lived up to his name in every way. An absolute abject fool. A wicked fool. And Abigail is this godly woman who submits to Nabal. She submits to him, clearly, you can read about this in 1 Samuel 25. She submits to him by trying to protect him from his own folly. And you can just ask the question, how, how does she manage to do that? How does she bear submitting to such a foolish, evil man? Well, she's a godly woman who has submitted herself to the Lord. She does it as to the Lord. And that gives her the strength. That gives her the rock to stand on. His folly does not dictate her response. Her Lord does. It gives, it gives a struggling woman a place to stand. It also exalts the glory of submission. You see, even if you're married to a good man, uh, a wife can struggle with, with a sort of depressing sense that, that her life has been bound and constrained by this marriage. Her life is, is, is constrained by living for this man, right? Girls, of course, often grow up thinking that that's just what they want. They, they want a husband. They want to be devoted to him and to gladly live for him. That's what they want. But then they get one. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the dog chasing the car. Now what do you do with it, right, if you catch it? And... Um, I mean, after a while, they begin to have this nagging sense that surely life must be about more than serving this man and having his children. I mean, it's great, but isn't there something more? And the answer is, absolutely, there's, there's infinity more. You see, your husband, even if he's a good man, he's not, he's not big enough, he's not weighty enough to live for. 
You weren't meant to live for your husband. You're meant to live for Jesus. Jesus is worth, you see, your life. And your loving submission to your husband, devotion to your husband, is infinitely precious and valuable because it's done to Jesus and for Jesus and will be rewarded eternally by Jesus. It's about him. And that gives it its glory. And it's also helpful because it corrects the confused husband. And there's many of us brothers who are confused. We can, we will instinctively believe that our wife's submission is about us. It's, it's, it's something that she owes to us. Why? Well, we're the man, right? We're the guy. And we can easily get offended by a, a, a perceived lack of respect from her because, well, she owes us that submission. Uh, we, we make it all about us. And, but, but brothers, it's not about us. It's first of all about the Lord. And if you make your wife's submission primarily about you, you will wound her repeatedly and wickedly. In the same way as when you make your children's obedience all about you. They don't live for you. Not your kids, not your wife. They live for Jesus. And that means that your calling, you see, as a husband and your calling as a father is to help those under your care to see Jesus and to love Jesus and respond to Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. And that will transform the way you parent and it will transform the way you respond to your wife. It's not about you. Fundamentally, it's about Jesus. And I would guess that there's probably an opportunity for some of us to repent and confess our sins to our wife. Wives, submit your husband as to the Lord. It gives you a rock to stand on. It gives you a glorious calling to pursue. The reason, then, for submission, Paul gives us in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So the submission of a wife to her husband is a response to the headship of her husband. Paul, Paul says very clearly, the husband is the head of the wife. This means that a husband has a God-given place, status, call to lead and exercise authority in the home. Uh, the idea of submission in the Bible is always a response to God-ordained authority. So when the Bible says, obey your rulers, obey the king, that's a, that's a, that's a God-ordained authority and submission is a response to that. Obey your elders, that's a response to God-ordained authority in the church. Well, in the same in, in the family. Right? God has created the world to, to, along the lines of authority, and, and when, that, when those lines are ignored, when that authority is, is despised, it always results in chaos, always res results in disintegration, whether that's in society, whether that's in the church, or whether that's in the home. It will always in involve uh, disintegration, and that's exactly what you see happening in our world today. So this is a very precious and good truth that God has for us. It, it, it brings things together. It produces health and life and peace. But Paul wants us to know that, that a husband has then real 
God-given authority in the home. And to make that point, he compares the husband's authority to the authority of Christ over the church. And no one would dispute that Jesus is the head of the church. And the word head here, some scholars have tried to say well, this means source. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just not going to work. You can do the study yourself. Pop your Greek Bible open, get your lexicon, take a look. Head means authority. The, um, and no one's going to dispute that Jesus' headship over the church means that Jesus has authority. All authority and power have been given to him. And Paul then just puts those together and says that a husband is the head of the, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's just, he's just driving home this point, there's real authority here. And, and that man, that husband, is going to be held accountable to God for how he exercised that authority. He absolutely will. And the wife is going to be held accountable to God for how she responded to that authority. It's, it's a real truth, a real category. So Paul wraps up then his teaching with this comprehensive statement, verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Everything, of course, does not mean, can't mean that, uh, it can't be a universal blanket statement. A wife is not allowed to submit to her husband when he invites her to sin or asks her to participate in sin. Wives, if your husband is calling you to do that, to participate in sin or uh, to do something that violates your conscience, you are under no obligation before the Lord uh, to do that. You may not do that. Jesus is the Lord of your conscience. Jesus is the Lord of your life. And in that situation, you are called to lovingly submit to Jesus and firmly call your husband to repentance. Right? That's your calling. That's your, that's your place. However, we cannot bury the word everything under a mountain of qualifications. David Paulson's written an excellent article on this, and he, he writes this. Many give so much attention to the exceptions to the rule that they fail to establish the relevance, beauty, and authority of the rule. Yes, and he's in quotes here. Yes, God calls a wife to submit, but of course, if a husband is harsh and neglectful, or does not consider her point of view, or won't lead spiritually, or is irresponsible financially, or, and the list goes on. But, Paulson points out, Ephesians lists no exceptions. Paul camps out on the rule, on the command, because the rule of submission so directly challenges our instinctive, reinforced and habitual craving to get our own way. That's true if you're a husband or a wife. Right? The commands are going are to get us both. Um, but, but submission in particular is, challenges our instinctive, reinforced, habitual craving to get our own way. I think that's true. And so we just need to open the text. What does God say? And, and I think we have to agree that, that this means that God calls a wife to respond in voluntary submission according to her husband's God-given authority, not according to how well you think he's doing his job. We don't get to decide that since he's failing to meet his standards, we get to fail to meet ours. It doesn't work like that. 
We're going to answer to the Lord for how we obeyed Jesus in this context. Paul puts the word everything here because he wants us to understand this is a comprehensive principle. It doesn't mean there aren't exceptions. Of course there are. But the principle is meant to be comprehensive. Submission is a disposition, you see, then to follow a husband's lead. It's a disposition to respect his authority, to obey his commands. That it's a disposition. Doesn't mean you can't disagree. Sometimes the most loving, submissive thing you can do is say, honey, that is a really bad idea. You love him well and serve him well. Doesn't mean you don't speak your mind. God's given you a mind and, and, and you, you're, you're, you're a team and, and your husband needs that mind. But it does mean that you can't nag, manipulate, ignore, deceive, or gossip, or any, in any other way, undermine his God-given headship. And I think we get very comfortable with those sins in our culture. We just don't have the right to do that. Your husband doesn't have the right to subjugate you, but he does have the right to call you to do what Jesus has commanded you to do. To submit out of reverence to Jesus Christ and to submit as to the Lord. Now, friends, that doesn't mean this is easy. But it's not that hard to understand at least what the text is saying. This isn't one of those texts where there's a lot of difficult Greek words and and grammatical issues and boy what's it? it's it's pretty straightforward children obey your parents it's kind of like that there's not a lot of parsing to do there wives submit to your husbands that's that's the command husbands love your wife it's pretty straightforward but it's not always clear in terms of how do you apply that? I mean, there, sin brings all kinds of chaos, confusion, and, and it's not always clear, regardless of what uh, authority we're talking about. Authority to the government. I mean, there are a lot of conversations the last two years. What does that mean in, 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 a, in a pandemic? What are Christians required to do? It's not always clear. And, 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 and good people can differ. But you see, the lean must be towards the principle, but then we also just have to acknowledge uh, the problems. And let me just list a few of the chief obstacles, and I'll, I'll, I'll move along here, to godly submission in the home. One of the chief obstacles is tyrannical husbands who believe that headship means dictatorship, right? They, they're domineering. They're self-serving. They're, they're wickedly so. It's all about them. And we just want to acknowledge again that we cannot turn a blind eye to that sin, that wicked sin, and the church too often does. We need to deal with it. Face it. But I think a more common problem that's maybe not talked about enough or as much as it needs to be, the more common problem is passive, self-oriented, distance, unplugged-in husbands, right? Guys who are just taking a break for the whole marriage. Brian Borgman points out that lazy indifference is as much a failure of headship as tyranny. There are husbands who simply refuse to lead. They live in their marriage as if they were still unmarried, living down in mom and dad's basement. They serve themselves. They think about themselves. They think about what they want. They think about how others can serve what they want. And they will not take responsibility for the spiritual welfare of their wife or their children. Well, they'll maybe bring them to church, but that's about where it goes and stops. 
Men, you're putting your wife in an incredible moral dilemma when you fail to lead. She wants to submit to you. She wants to follow you. You're just not going anywhere. And so what is she supposed to do with that? You're not giving her anything to, to, to follow behind, anything to support. And we need to address that too. It's one of the most common sorrows of Christian women. My husband won't lead us. He won't lead in family worship. He won't, he won't take time to talk to the kids about spiritual things or, or just spend time just getting right, building them up. He won't pray with me. He's stuck in his computer, maybe stuck in an addiction, maybe, maybe uh, just completely committed to his work and his buddies. I don't know, his sports. He's just not here. And brothers, if I've just described you, you owe your wife a confession and repentance, get help. Brothers, we do not want to enter eternity having failed at the most important calling of our life. You just don't want to, you don't want to step up to the gate that way. And there are all sorts of Christian men who just think it's a small thing for them to ignore this command that God's given to them to lead their family. So get help, brothers. And then there's a problem of insubordinate wives, wives who, who just don't respect their husband. They don't want to respect him. Maybe they say they do, but the truth is they're self-willed, they're rebellious. They're striving to have control. Having control is their primary control, primary concern in the marriage. And they'll gather others around them, not so they can open their Bibles and say, what does God require, but to air their grievances and garner allies. And that happens in the church too. Ladies, let me ask you this. Do you have anyone in your life who asks you how you are doing in submitting to your husband? And if you don't, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you have someone who loves you that way? And is willing to take God's word and, and just press that into your life? How you doing? How can we pray about this? You see, it's an uphill battle. It's, it's the world around us, the flesh within us, the devil assaulting us. I mean, the devil's doing everything he can to destroy the peace and unity of our marriages, to tear down the home, to stain the name of Jesus Christ. He's doing everything he can do. But it's a battle that we must fight, and it's a battle that we can win in our Lord Jesus Christ. David Paulson says, is, is Christ's will for us difficult? Yes. Is it utterly contrary to the way the whole world acts and reacts by nature and by habit? Yes. Is it contrary to the way that you act and react by nature and habit? Yes. Is it contrary to what we most often hear from those around us and most often think? Yes. But is it right? Yes. And will Jesus Christ himself help you? Yes and amen. And the promise is that if we aim for submission, when Christ calls you to submission, your life will thrive. Jesus promises to bless as we obey. And we are able to obey. You see, the gospel is sufficient for people like us. Jesus died to free us from the devil's lies and free us from the power of our own flesh and free us to do things we never could have done before by the Holy Spirit within us. Jesus Christ died to set us free. And Paul will say, stand free then. Amen. Sisters in Christ, stand free exercise your liberty to obey your Lord Jesus Christ and submit to your husband. Paulson has some questions, and I'm going to wrap up with this. 
questions that we can ask ourselves. First for the wives, how can I visibly and consistently demonstrate respect, honor, and submission to the person God has placed over me? In what ways am I disrespectful, contrary, headstrong, lazy, or manipulative? In what ways do I try to take control? Those would be great questions just to sit down before the Lord with your Bible open and pray over. Men, here's some questions for you. How can I visibly and consistently demonstrate love and protection and spiritual care and godly leadership in my marriage and my home? In what ways am I self-centered, domineering, lazy? In what ways am I simply seeking my own way rather than the nurture and care of my wife and my family for the glory of God? Those would be good questions. Just sit alone before the Lord with your Bible open and write some things down. And this would be a great opportunity for husband and wife to come together after they've done that and confess their sins to each other. And to say, in spite of all the good things that God has given to us, we, we've, we've not done these things well. And we want to do them better. We owe Jesus better. We owe one another as brothers and sisters in Christ better. We owe our children better. We owe the name of Jesus Christ better. Let's do it. We've got work to do, but we have the Spirit who's able to do that work within us. We're able to live a life and to have marriages that are beautifully pleasing to the Lord. May God grant it. Amen. Well, Father in heaven, you know where we live and you know what our marriages are like. You know the settled patterns that we've given ourselves over to. And you know, Lord, all the ways, uh, all the destruction that our sin has brought to our marriages whether it be sins of failure in leadership or sins in failure to submit. And Jesus, I just pray that brothers and sisters will have the ability to humble themselves before the word of God and to begin a conversation in their family about where they have failed and sins they need to confess and repentance they need to pursue so that Jesus Christ is honored Father, I pray for those who are in a relationship where one of the spouses maybe professes to be a Christian but has no interest in following Jesus in these ways. I just pray, Lord, for patience. I pray for endurance. I pray, Lord, for wives who will submit as to the Lord, trusting Jesus that you will not leave them alone. I pray, Lord, for husbands um, whose there's just a disconnect. There's, there's not an interest on the part of the wife to submit to Jesus. And I pray for patience. I pray for endurance. I pray for love and grace. Jesus, we believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and the gospel has all the power necessary to transform our marriages if we will submit ourselves to it, if we will confess our sin and turn to you. And Jesus, I just pray that here at Harvest Church, that's what we'll see happening. Wonderful transformation as couples humble themselves, submitting uh, to Jesus Christ and then laying hold of the roles that you've given to us, Jesus, that our homes could be places where Jesus is honored, where the gospel is wonderfully at work, where the Holy Spirit is evidently moving and acting. And all the glory goes to Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Let's respond to the word this morning. Lead me, Lord, lead me in thy righteousness. It's a prayer together. We'll close it with amen.